Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Before we get into the show, we wanted to give you a quick note about ads. So here's the thing. We genuinely, sincerely like all of our sponsors. We are picky about them. Honestly, probably to the point that it's annoying for our ad sales team. We don't and won't partner with products or brands that we wouldn't use ourselves or don't think our audience would benefit from knowing about. Working with advertisers in the way that we do is what allows us to make the show a meaningful part of our lives and hopefully yours too. So when you use the unique links and codes that advertisers provide for us, it has a real impact on our ability to keep doing this. And we are tremendously grateful for it. If you're ever looking for a specific code, head to a thing or two hq.com slash sponsors and you'll find them all. Thank you for supporting us and the brands who support us. It means the most. All right, here's the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from, want to support us in general, head to a thing or two hq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two hq. Hello. Hello. <laughs> this is the first episode we're recording in the new year. Yes, that's exactly right. First episode we're recording in the new year, and we have some thoughts. Um, <laughs> we do. We have a grab bag of thoughts, I'd say. Yeah, that's exactly it. Some things we've been thinking about for a little while, some things we just thought about recently. A lot of things we got to work through and work out, I would say. <laughs> we have some things to workshop in 2022. I feel like one of your real holiday break, mm-hmm. whatever, like whatever we're going to call that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> discovery. Omicron period. Yeah. Your Omicron yeah. period. One of your discoveries was a new type of woman. I think, yeah. And I do think it's specifically a woman. I'm a little like scared of gender stereotyping mm-hmm. here, but I think the thing is what I'm positing about this type of person is that this goes in the same category as things like the pick me girl and the wife guy. I don't know if the pick me girl is the same as or adjacent to the cool girl as described in Gone Girl. Mm. Remember? Of course. Like, of that- course. The whiskey drinking cool girl. Yeah. Of course. I, which yeah. I think it maybe just is the same as the pick yeah. me girl. But 
So this is the it's not that deep woman, which I was having coffee with somebody right before break. And we were talking about somebody's really successful business and how she'd scaled it so quickly and the sort of dangers and fears and like highs and lows of all of that and how this person was managing it. And my my companion said, I think she's just like, it's just not that deep. She just doesn't worry about it. She's just like, it's not that deep. And she's just like, here's what works and here's what doesn't. And I just move on and it's not that deep. Well, and also I think part of it that that you and I got hung up on was that something that might've worked two months ago might work no more. And she doesn't mm-hmm. fret about it and like doesn't oh, yeah. care that like, oh, that like product strategy, like in retrospect, was like kind of like, whoa. Um, right. She just moves on. Who cares? She just moves on. She, exactly. And I think the reason that it really stuck with me is because I admire and respect this person. And also I could not be further from the, it's not that deep <laughs> mentality. Right. And I think I find it enviable, not necessarily aspirational. Like, I don't know that I want to be a type of person who can apply that it's not that deep mentality, but I, I have I have a certain amount of respect and envy for her ability to think about things that way. Well, it's like on the spec, there's a spectrum of it's not that deep to the perfectionist who like can't mm-hmm. ever get anything like done because their their perfectionism hamstrings them. You want right. to be somewhere like on neither end of the spectrum. You want to be yeah. somewhere in the, yeah, you want to find your right spot in the middle on the sliding scale. <laughs> because the, the like obvious opposite of it's not that deep is just, like a lack of critical thinking altogether, right? And just yes. really surface level thinking and just not thinking outside maybe your own experience. And I do think sometimes it's not that deep can also just feel like a snarky comeback that people use of like, don't be pissed, don't be offended. It's not that deep, just like get over it. Oh right? yeah, it's like a flip. It's like this very like flip thing that a person can say. Like it right. just this very like whatever, like you're you're overthinking it, like an accusation almost right. or whatever. But I think for someone like me who's such an overthinker, applying a, it's not that deep mentality to life or business in general really does feel like, huh, that could be nice. I think another part of it too that is helpful right now is that I think we all could benefit from taking ourselves, our work, our whatever, like a little bit less seriously than we do. And I think, and by, by we all, I mean like you and I. <laughs> well, but you are right. I mean, I think, unfortunately, like for better or for worse, what I sense as a sort of rise and it's not that deep ethos, mind, yeah, mindset <laughs> is a little bit of a response to like cancel culture and like liberal snowflakes and all of that is people being like, it's not that deep, just get over it. Right. And like people perceiving, people is too sensitive or whatever. And there's an exhaustion from that. And so hence you have people just being like, it's not that deep. Um, You pulled a Catherine McPhee Instagram post that I feel like Mm. really perfectly encapsulates everything that you just explained. So Catherine McPhee is married to David Foster, who is an incredibly uh, influential, successful music producer, I guess. And yeah. <laughs> known but to mo- me as the father of Aaron and Sarah Foster. <laughs> Thank you. Thank internet you. influencers. Thank you. Thank you. But and then Catherine McPhee is an American Idol yeah. winner. I, I like think. the question marks about all of the this entire Wikipedia. <laughs> the only the, because the only people who I know for sure what they do are Aaron and Sarah Foster. I know that David Foster uh did Whitney Houston's uh I will always love you. Yes. He was the music director for the bodyguard, the music director. See, again, I don't know that, that was his title. <laughs> However, to get back to this, he's married to Catherine McPhee. They had a baby a year ago. He posted an Instagram post of her 
looking uh, very fit in a bathing suit and said, what baby? And the internet got really pissed about it and was like, this is so foul and creepy and just like not the right mentality we should be taking. Well, it also just feels like weirdly dated, like when Heidi Klum like lost all the weight after the baby to do the Victoria's Secret fashion show. Like it feels like that moment, not like 2022. Right. And But again, he's an older gentleman. He doesn't necessarily know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. So people were pissed. And then Catherine McPhee posted her own Instagram post. Again, I believe of herself in a bathing suit, a different bathing suit. And basically saying... (laughs) Different bathing suit. Saying, get over it. This isn't the entire caption, but she said, who cares? People freaking out about what my husband captioned. Seriously, get a life. Stop being so offended by what people post who have zero impact on your life and move on. Maybe you should have more of an attitude of like, let's say, oh, that's nice. He thinks his wife is hot. I cannot with this overly sensitive society right now. And I didn't love it. <laughs> Not that this is about my feelings about this Catherine McPhee <laughs> drama of which like I don't need to have an opinion on it. Mm-mm. However, I was just like, this strikes me as the, it's not that deep character, right? Yeah, like, just being like totally. Get over it. It's not totally. that deep. Totally. It's just my husband thinking I have a hot bod and that doesn't need to offend you and get over it. Thank you so much to ZocDoc for sponsoring today's episode. So apparently because I renewed my driver's license during COVID, mm-hmm. I like got a, I got a one-year pass on getting an eye exam, but now they're like knocking on my door as though we're not still in the middle of a pandemic and being like, excuse me, excuse me, you I see this <laughs> eye exam? Like what? I saw this eye exam on your calendar and I was like, why are you doing that? Because you always had perfect eyes. And the last time I remember you getting an eye exam was when we were doing some like partnership with Warby Parker. And you were like, I guess I could just see if maybe I need glasses. It's worth checking, I guess. Well, basically I was so, I've been so upset with the DMV about this. Why? Mm-hmm. It, it's like, also like, of course the DMV has the ability to make you mad even when you're not going there. You know what I mean? Right. Like without course, even having to stand in line. Yeah, exactly. But I was like, I cannot spend more than five minutes on the process of finding a, an eye doctor for this mm-hmm. eye exam. That is like truly just like a rote thing. Like, it's just like the most, like I need to check a box. So Mm -hmm. I sorted my neighborhood. I zoomed into like the subway stop. I want to get off at, (laughs) I found the like day that I was like willing to do this. And like, it was done in five minutes, all on ZocDoc. It's truly remarkable to me that we can do that now that we can just be like, here's exactly when I want to see a doctor. Let me sort by ratings. Let me sort by the times they have available. Let me just imagine 20 years ago, how hard, (laughs) how much time I would have spent on this. I just can't. You would have been even angrier with the DMV. Even angrier. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Just download the free ZocDoc app at ZocDoc.com slash a thing or two for the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or video chat. Never wait on hold with a receptionist again. Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com slash a thing or two and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash a thing or two to download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. ZocDoc.com slash a thing or two. Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Emma Shagormley. We are two best friends with one common obsession, beauty. beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. 
We tried it all and we've got your back. We'll be calling on all our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. Consider us your beauty 411 and sometimes your 911. From how to fix brassy hair to the pros and cons of laser facials and always with a cocktail in hand, always. So be prepared to be obsessed. Check out Lipstick on the Rim wherever you get your podcasts. When you and I were talking about this before, I think the thing that I was taken with was the way that this called back to certain parts of the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert Mm -hmm. that you and I Mm -hmm. did respond well to. Um, And we have a whole episode where we talk about this book, about about perfectionism in general. And, you know, this book wasn't like fully for us or anything, but there were parts of it that really like did strike a chord. And some of those bits were just basically about like giving yourself the permission to put out work that isn't perfect because guess what? Nothing ever is going to be. And like by holding yourself to this totally impossible standard, you're never going to put out the work or you're never going to do the things. There's a quote that is, no matter how many hours you spend attempting to render something flawless, somebody will always be able to find fault with it. You and I often talk about people who are so so prolific with their work, right? Who just churn out story after story, podcast after podcast, artwork after artwork. And I think in order to do that, you have to take an it's not that deep mentality of I'm going to put out a lot of stuff. Some of it's going to be great. Some of it's not going to be great. And people might think some of it's bad or cheap or lazy or whatever. But guess what? It's not that deep. I'm just putting out a lot of stuff or I'm just putting out stuff, whatever it is. And I it's that sort of piece of it that I really admire about the it's not that deep mentality of like, I'm just doing this. I'm not tripping over myself. I'm not getting caught up over, you know, getting caught up in myself and I just, I struggle with that a lot. So I, I do both, uh, have some amount of disdain for the, it's not that deep mentality when it is applied to, when it's, when it's used as a retort, honestly. (laughs) Well, because also when it's used as a retort, it, to me, reads a little bit as like that, like, 90s teen trope like of like the girl who just like is smart but doesn't like quote unquote try or whatever or mm-hmm. is like afraid of putting herself out there and trying so it's like always like just like not doing the thing. I think that's right. It can be it can feel a little bit like a self-defense mechanism like maybe you don't necessarily believe it you're just saying it. Yes, it's like a front. It's like busy mm-hmm. Phillips and freaks and geeks being like, "Oh my god, it's not that deep." Like whatever. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. which if you don't mean it then then it does it like it loses its value. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just sort of interested in it as a, as a, a theme that seems to be emerging in internet personalities, a new internet personality. We welcome Mm -hmm. it. We welcome it. Join the bitch eating crackers. Um, Oh yes. (laughs) The BEC and the INTD. (laughs) Something else that was like a very sort of specific and, and vague theme that came up recently are a couple of examples of just like people who have taken this, like the work smarter, not harder idea, Mm -hmm. whatever, to an extreme in a way that you and I both just like glommed onto, like just loved. Yes. Okay. Can you tell the thing that happened recently that like sparked Mm -hmm. this for us? Yeah. So I was talking to, to someone, an entrepreneur who wanted advice about how to get this product into a major national retailer. And we were sort of trying to strategize around the best way to, you know, get this on the radar of a buyer. And she told me this incredible story about a friend of hers who had invented a product for children and really wanted to get it into this national chain of, of children's, of this retailer of children's products. So instead of just like cold emailing or trying to, you know, go all through LinkedIn to figure out, you know, who knows this person, who knows this person, who knows this person, 
like get seven intros to the person yeah. and like hope the person responds in some way, shape or form. Right. Instead, she figures out that the buyer for the product category of this product. So let's say it's like, uh, let's say it's a crib sheet. She goes and finds the crib sheet buyer for this retailer on LinkedIn, figures out where that, what town that person lives in and just starts buying a bunch of Facebook ads in that person's town. So like that the zip buyer, code, like that, yes, like in the zip hyper targeted Facebook ads. Yes. So by the time this buyer is presented with the option of buying. And I, I don't actually know whether the buyer was like, wow, this thing looks amazing. I want to buy it. Or she eventually approached this buyer. But either way, this buyer is primed thinking, wow, I know all about this product. This product is everywhere. I've been seeing this product on Facebook. Yes, let's go for it. I just thought it was the most genius strategy ever because we are all so duped by seeing things in our Instagram or Facebook feed, assuming that they're a whole thing, not realizing like, no. That they're being this, served to us. Yes, for this very highly specific reason. And this is like a little bit creepy, but there's nothing wrong with it. I thought it was so genius. And of course it worked. It's so good. Well, and also like, yes, it's a little bit creepy, but it's exactly how the system is built to work. You know what I mean? Yes, like you're not yes. like doing anything wrong. It's like just, it's again, work smarter, not harder. I just, I love it. I just think it is so... I loved like everything about it. Genius! It's so genius. And this person who was selling this hypothetical crib sheet was like a full time. She was a pediatrician, and the father was a lawyer. And these are busy people with this side hustle. And they're like, "I know how to do this. I don't have the time to or the money to go deal with the trade show. I'm just going to buy targeted Facebook ads in the zip code of the buyer whose radar I'm trying to get on." Genius. Genius. And this called to mind for me, my favorite, like my favorite workplace story of the <laughs> last decade. Someone we know worked directly for the founder of, of like very buzzy startup um, who was like a real business school type. Mm -hmm. And in working for him, she was like, she could, there was like a lot of jargon being like spewed around the office and a lot of like, you know, language that you could tell came from like that whole like world mm -hmm. and like, you know, thinkers in that space, right? <laughs> you know and the type. You know the type. You know the mm -hmm. type. And rather than like try to just like navigate like, you know, this these trains of thought or whatever, she looked up the syllabi for the mm -hmm. classes that he took at Wharton during his time getting his MBA there and then read a couple of the relevant books to like her part of, you know, her marketing role or whatever it was so that she could spit that language back to him. It's so genius. And this is the type of person who never, definitely never went to business school, definitely never would have read this stuff otherwise. Just no, but it's like out. a reader and like a curious person in general. Yeah. And was like, yeah, I'm just gonna like, here's the most direct way to figure out, like to get into this person's mind. Because I actually know that it's like not specific to him. It's like mm -hmm. all things that he has extracted from other places. Right, and she just needed to learn the language. Yes, I yeah. just, it's, Wonderful. <laughs> Truly brilliant. Truly and manipulative, brilliant. but not again, once again, a little creepy, but nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. I was like talking to Thomas about this last night and he reminded me that in the Elizabeth Holmes trial, it was revealed that members of her Theranos team could tell exactly where she was in the <laughs> Becoming Steve Jobs book by the stuff mm -hmm. that she was talking about in meetings. They're like, ah, this, she's on chapter four because this is like, this is where she is. And she like idolized Steve Jobs so, so much that this was the vibe. Yeah. I just, it's just, I love it. I just absolutely it's, love all of it. 
truly delightful. If you have examples of working smarter, not harder that are in this um, borderline creepy or manipulative vein, please let I us know. We yeah, love please, them. please. Oh, we I'd love, love to them. play voicemails about those. <laughs> <laughs> Another passion of mine, please. Acknowledgement sections of books. I love them so much. I think that they are just a delight always. I, I so I didn't used to read them like years ago. I didn't used to read them. Why not? Even if you really liked a book, yeah, they just felt like inside baseball and like boring and like whatever. Um, but don't you love inside baseball? Don't you want to read that stuff? Well, I think I do now, but I don't know that I always did. Uh, but mm. I also didn't used to read introductions of books, which is like so yeah, strange and suspicious. Why? I. <laughs> I mean, I guess here's why I think you didn't, because I think when we were in school, you would never read an introduction section of a book because the types of books we read in school was like the introduction was just extra busy work, basically. It was like nonsense to like tell you what this edition of the book was or whatever. Right. I do think it's I saw this in the notes and I was really surprised that you didn't. But then I thought, no, I think there was a point in my life when I also did not read the introduction sections of books, but I think it was more when I was like assigned a book and I was like, I don't want to have to read more than I need to. That makes sense to me. Contextually, that makes sense to me. Yeah. I don't know why the acknowledgements just never, like now I can appreciate that. Yes, of course they're inside baseball, but that is the appeal of them. Well, I, so, okay. The thing about the introduction too, I think, which is interesting. I think introductions are, in some books, a lot of times just like introducing methodology yeah. and laying the groundwork, which doesn't always feel super relevant or it doesn't feel like the fun part. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. Like, it's not the material. This part, right. Yeah. And in reading up on acknowledgement sections, at some point, acknowledge, well, acknowledgement sections, A, weren't as common, but B, used to be something that authors would basically use to explain their methodology or to back up their, to show their work and to sort of, or to, you know, you, basically ex- do all the asterisks being like, yes, explain their footnotes or their bibliography or like whatever. Exactly. It was like a lead into that stuff. And it was a little bit like of a, like an offense of like critiques and stuff like that. And then it, it morphed into now these like long multi-page flowery things where people are thanking everybody. There was the Oscar really... speech format. Yeah, really exactly. Is. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. was this really curmudgeonly article in the New Yorker in 2012 by this guy, Sam Sachs, where he's, calls it a gratuitous supplement to the dedication page. Acknowledgements can now be found at the conclusion of virtually every published novel, often running to as many as three pages and thanking scores of people. It's unsolicited. It appears like an online pop-up ad benefiting no one but the author and his comrades. It's such a... I This essay is so absurd and over the top and I was sure that the person who wrote it was like 95. So I went to look him up and he appears to be our age, which was shocking to me because it was like, you also got the sense that this person remembered some golden era before the acknowledgement section existed. He was so upset about, about it in every way and found it totally gratuitous. To which I was also like, you know, you could just not read the acknowledgement section. It has nothing to do with the plot of the book. Did, <laughs> did he say as many as three pages? Oh, yeah. As many as three. I, I'm like, wait, that's, that's nothing. That's First of all, that's, that's nothing. And second of all, like, yeah. I feel like I've read ones that are like as many as 30 pages or like, yes. you know, as many as 13 pages or something. I just love them so much because they feel like the DVD extra. And you know, when you would 
watch a DVD, a movie you really liked, and you're like, I guess now I'm going to watch it with the director's commentary. I'm going to watch the deleted scenes, not because they're as good as the movie or they add much, but because I just don't want to say goodbye. And I want to take like, I want to get as much additional context for this book as I possibly can. Um, Hello, Claire. We saw like Veronica Mars, the movie in theaters. Like, of (laughs) course I understand. Not because it was going to be good, but because I'll take whatever I can get. Like, yes, and we've an read entire some of movie the Mars as a DVD novels. extra. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It just, it's so I'm just like, I don't know if that doesn't interest you, don't read it. But if you like, if you're inter- if you like the book, or even if you really hated the book, it feels like this extra insight into why you felt the way you did about the book. Like, whose mom gave them notes on it and who, like, the various, how long it took them. The other thing I love is getting a sense of like, what was actually pulled from this author's real life, which you often get a sense of in these things. That I really, that like, I really like a lot and have, have like latched on to just the acknowledgement of like, it's like not the acknowledgement of the people involved, but the acknowledgement of like how much of your own life was put into this fiction. If it's a piece of fiction. That was the case. Well, that book, we interviewed, we interviewed Matteo Ascaripor on the, uh, on the podcast a while back about his book, Black Buck, which was very much like admittedly semi-autobiographical because it's about somebody working, um, at a startup in sales and being the only black person at this company. So you knew that a lot of it was based on him, but it's not until the acknowledgement section that you start to get to things where you're like, oh, I think the love story is also maybe based on your real life. And like, there's other things in here that you wouldn't necessarily know were semi-autobiographical and they are. And that just added so much for me. Because I recall you trying to ask him and get more out of him about his love life. uh, When we interviewed him, he was like, I'm not. Well, (laughs) that's what I found to be really remarkable, actually. And I'll never forget it. I was like, can you tell, I tried to get more out of him and he shut down and was like, I will say nothing. And I was like, well, then why'd you say it in the acknowledgement? section like you basically said as much but I don't know I guess an acknowledgement section is not a podcast no true the thing that I think made me appreciate them more is the fact that it is this like peep behind the curtain that you get so rarely in most industries mm-hmm. um like you get film credits in movies and you get mastheads in magazines, but where else do you see a list of all of the people that were involved in a right. thing like you don't in a car commercial you don't see like well here are like here, like, is everybody who was involved in building this car or even the advertising agency was involved in making this ad? Like, you just so rarely get that. And granted, the acknowledgements are such an extremely subjective way at the people who were involved and really, like, only a certain type of person who was involved, not the person who's printing the book, that's for sure. Um, yeah, but it's just, like, it is a fascinating way at that. Yeah, and you know, like you said, even if it's not comprehensive, you're getting a sense of who the author thought was important, like who the author feels actually really contributed to the book in some meaningful way. There's this great essay by Jennifer Senior in the New York Times, which I really thought summed up like all, all of the things that I love about acknowledgement sections. And she pulls out a couple of notable ones. So one, she's like, sometimes they're basically just excuses to name drop. She says, Jay Winnick's 1944 FDR in the year that changed history has this insane acknowledgement section that begins one night some years back in a New York hotel I was invited to a little dinner with Martha Stewart Mike Wallace Frank McCourt our hosts Wayne and Catherine Reynolds and Ellie Wiesel it was a far-ranging eclectic discussion when it got around to making a point but that setup alas sounded like Cindy Adams was on the line and she wanted her gossip column back from 1998 (laughs) and I'm just like yes that tells you so much about this person which is why by the way also I often read the acknowledgement section before I'm finished with the book and it's most often when I have some like sort of scratchy moments. Yes. About the author. author. I'm like, 
I need to understand who you actually are and if I have any respect for you whatsoever. And I feel like I can sometimes get that out of the acknowledgement section or at least just get some context around who this person is with which to view the rest of the book through this lens, right? What what in a book will prompt you to be like, okay, I need to, I need to, I need to get, I need to go to the back. Unfortunately, well, I think either if I'm truly obsessed with it or if I start to feel suspicious that I don't like the book or the author. Sometimes I think going to the back will just make me fully lose respect for the author and I'll be like, I'm not going to finish this. I knew I didn't like this person. (laughs) Thank you so much to Honey Love for sponsoring today's episode. I feel like one of our major learnings from this pandemic is that we've all been putting up with uncomfortable bras for way too long for absolutely no reason. Like the number of people who just realized like, wait, this is what it feels like to not wear a bra. And I've been doing this this whole time. It just became really obvious. And it just feels like we've all learned that if we're going to wear a bra, it better be a comfortable one and it better be a good one. So here's the deal with Honey Love. All of their bras have incredible support, lift, et cetera, all of that good stuff, but none of them have underwire, which feels very major to me. I personally have not worn underwire in years. I was an early adopter to the anti-underwire movement, I would say. Association. Association. (laughs) I've been nominated for president of the association several times. (laughs) I'm thrilled that Honey Love is getting behind my cause. Whether it's for hanging out at home or a special night out, you deserve to look and feel your absolute best. And you can feel the control and support and confidence you need for any occasion without the underwire, but with Honey Love. Honey Love is designed for comfort and looks and is as beautiful as your favorite lingerie with unparalleled construction. It's built for real bodies and their bras are sized from extra small to 3X. People love Honey Love. It's been featured in the New York Times, Good Morning America, Brides Magazine, and has thousands of five-star reviews. Plus, there's no risk at all. Honey Love offers free virtual consultation with fit specialists and a 30-day money-back guarantee. You deserve bras, underwear, shapewear, tanks, and leggings that instill confidence and that you'll want to show off. So go to honeylove.com and see for yourself. Before launch, every Honey Love product goes through one to two years of rigorous testing with real women. By the time it gets to you, you know it's going to look and feel great. See for yourself at honeylove.com and get 20% off a second item. Plus, when you use the code a thing or two, you'll get an additional 10% off your entire order. Get 20% off your second item plus an additional 10% off at honeylove.com with the code a thing or two. Honeylove.com code a thing or two. Rules and restrictions may apply. Thank you so much to Pill Club for sponsoring today's episode. Bless Pill Club, I gotta say, because they let you get your birth control without going to a doctor, without going to a pharmacy. And I have to say, like, of course, the first people who got to have this privilege around anything were men with ED. And it's (laughs) about time, (laughs) it is about time that women get birth control easily and simply and just like at a low cost. And if you have heard this podcast for long enough, you have heard us complain about the myriad hoops that women have to jump through just to get like normal basic healthcare. The fact that we even have to go to like a gyno and a PCP, why can't we get it all done in one place? At least make birth control easy. I am so happy that Pill Club exists and they are fighting this battle for us. Ugh. Life is stressful enough. Access to healthcare shouldn't be. Luckily, getting birth control and sexual wellness products is one less thing to worry about. With the Pill Club, you never have to take a trip to the doctor or wait in line at the pharmacy ever again. They provide access to care from the comfort of your home and delivery to your door. The Pill Club carries over 120 FDA-approved brands and ships to all 50 states. Most brands of birth control are free with insurance or Medicaid. Otherwise, prices start as low as $7 a month without insurance. 
The Pill Club delivers birth control to your door for free in discreet packaging, along with fun self-care gifts and goodies. And delivery is free. What's more, their licensed medical team is just a text away to give you the best reproductive health care. Sign up for birth control in just five minutes. Skip that office visit and waiting in line at the pharmacy and join the club. Right now, when you go to thepillclub.com slash a thing or two, the Pill Club is offering a $10 donation to bedsider.org for every a thing or two listener who becomes a patient. Your donation will help low-income individuals get access to birth control through bedsider.org. That's thepillclub.com slash a thing or two to get your first birth control care package and donate to help more women in need of affordable birth control. Remember, thepillclub.com slash a thing or two. You must use that link to make a donation. Would you ever consider reading the acknowledgements first to see if you even mm. want to read it? No, because I need a little bit. I need I need something to go on. I, I yeah. need because the acknowledgements themselves are, are not enough. But I definitely it's like, have you ever been in the middle of a book and been like, I don't feel great about this and then gone and read the reviews? Yeah, be like, Does totally. Else hate this yeah, book yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Get any better, get any worse. I feel like I do that. And I also sometimes read the acknowledgements to be like. I like I need to judge you. I like the acknowledgments as taken as a review of the author written by them. <laughs> it's not it wrong. Is. It's not it wrong. Is. No, it's not wrong. The other I so the other I was like I had read this Jennifer Senior essay when it came out on on acknowledgment sections because it and it it I loved it so much because it crystallized for me why I loved acknowledgment sections so much beyond just being a nosy person. But I read in in getting ready for this podcast episode, read a couple of different essays on acknowledgments. And like the big overarching sort of theme of all of these essays is that writing is always thought of as this solitary act and that it's so lonely and that you do it on your own. And the, the sort of wonderful thing about acknowledgement sections is it reminds everybody that it's actually not solitary and that you need, there's so many people involved and gives you a chance to acknowledge all of those people. And it gives the reader an opportunity to sort of understand that. And Jennifer Senior quotes this other acknowledgement section from the butchering art by Lindsay Fitzharris, where she talks about where she in, in the acknowledgement section, thanks her divorce lawyer for restoring her self-esteem, which is exactly the kind of juicy stuff that I love in an acknowledgement section. That's acknowledgement section gold. But she also like, so Jennifer senior points out that like beyond just being sort of adding color, I suppose she said, her frank discussion of divorce is a reminder that authors aren't working on their books in some parallel time and space, but in real time as real life is happening to them. And sometimes real life is hard, which I just like, I, I love that. Yeah. It's just humanizing. Yes. How would you feel about a book of just acknowledgement sections? Like should mm. Rizzoli be doing a coffee table book of acknowledgement sessions or, or even, Ooh, you know, those like best science writing of 2021 yes. books. Should yes. we be getting that of acknowledgement sections? Erica, I would buy it in an instant. Like I, so, as I said to you, I would not, read the acknowledgement section before I've read a book. But if somebody just had, yes, a coffee table book or a compendium of the best, most iconic acknowledgement sections, I would absolutely read them. And then I might even be inspired to read some of those books. Right. You could end with the paragraph of like, so-and-so has written X, Y, and Z. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you could go from there. Because I was actually surprised that didn't exist when I went and read it. Because I didn't have any favorites of, or particularly memorable ones of my own, except that Matteo Ascari poor, uh, bit of from black buck you know, yeah yes from black buck and 
But I thought surely someone has compiled all of the most iconic, ridiculous, or just, you know, the best acknowledgement sections. And nobody has done it on the internet any bit anyway. But what was Tumblr doing in 2011? Oh my God, right? Come on. Well, this is my other thing is that I couldn't quite figure out when acknowledgement sections became such a thing. Yeah. But there seemed to be some time in the early 2000s when people started writing about them as if they were starting to get out of hand or just become a genre in their own right. So, Well, your friend Sam Sachs, yeah, 2012. Yes. That seems to be apparently <laughs> when, when someone needed to step in, you know, this like someone really needed to step in. <laughs> This essay is so insane, and I could not believe the person who wrote it was not 90. It was like, he's so upset about it. It's absurd. I can't believe the New Yorker published it, all of it. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I find them delightful. If you haven't been reading them, I encourage you to start. I think my favorite takeaways from the acknowledgement section now are seeing who the authors, like writer friends are. Like, mm, yes, that list of being like, oh, so-and-so's friends with so-and-so and like weaving together that web. Like, I want to do the whole, you know, poster on my wall connecting all of these people to be like, oh, but wait, that person who I kind of, who I know is friends with this other person is not in this mix. And I wonder what the feelings are there, you know? And then you're going, are they following them on Twitter? Like, what's happening? What are they doing? Yeah. Well, it also feels like the best way to get this information without actually engaging with Twitter, you know? True. So true. Which is, yeah. which I welcome, which I fully welcome. It's um and, and it's definitely like a place for people to brag about that too, to be like that, you know, another thing that is pointed out in one of these critical essays, I can't remember if it was the Sam Sachs one. He's like, these authors are such dummies because they'll thank someone who has like kind of a famous writer who was, they point out was their MFA teacher. And then who that didn't person blurb them. also- no, who did all, who did blurb the oh. book. And it's like, as if readers didn't already realize that blurbs are like meaningless because it's just calling in favors from your friends. Honestly, though, Claire, I, mm-hmm. I, that feels like, I, I mean, again, we don't like this essay. We don't, we don't like this essay. <laughs> no one's um, reading. I'm yeah. sorry. I, well, I'm sorry. No one's reading this and connecting the dots that because, or like caring that because so-and-so was someone's MFA advisor in the acknowledgements mm-hmm. and they blurbed the book, that blurb is thus suspect. Like, Blurbs are like a whole other thing that I feel like we could talk about for at least 20 minutes. (laughs) Like the art of writing blurbs, like the the way they all sound. It's like very remarkable, um, incredible content. A strong strong blurb. blurb. A strong blurb. And like actually writing a blurb is extremely hard. Um, Oh, yeah. Extremely hard. I've been sold on many a book by a good blurb. Obviously. That's why they exist. Yeah. The one thing I wanted to add before we end this is that we once wrote our own acknowledgments for a Mm. book. Mm Mm-hmm. I think our acknowledgement section would have infuriated Sam Sachs. Don't send it to him. I don't. He has no business <laughs> reading it. He shouldn't read any acknowledgement sections. They're not for him. The thing that I feel like I found most fascinating about it process-wise was that you're writing it before the book is out, obviously, of right. course. And so you're thanking people who you'll probably be grateful for later, like <laughs> hypothetically, like, like the, like the book publicists um, right. and like yeah. the publicity department for the publishing house. You'll be, you, you know, it's like, well, presumably I will be grateful to them. And thus I thank them today. I mean, in this way, I will give Sam Sachs credit. I believe it was from his essay where he was talking about how it's a little bit like creating a wedding invite list where you're like, well, I don't want to, you have like, once you get to a certain tier of people, you have mm. to then invite all the people in that tier. Right. Of course. And then you also are like, 
I'm like decently good friends with him. It seems like we're on the way to becoming pretty good friends. It seems like they're we're on the way. This person's probably going to be really important to my book. That's the, That's the marketing yeah, exactly. person. That's the marketing person. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Fascinating. Right. Yeah. No, that's not wrong. Mm-hmm. That's not yeah. wrong. Um, mm-hmm. We started our acknowledgments with the person who introduced us, which I think that's right. You know, if you know it, it, <laughs> that, and if I guess if we were going to do a dedication besides to each other, it would have been to him. So, I felt good about that part of the acknowledgment section for sure. Totally. Totally. <laughs> Anything else you need to acknowledge here? No. That's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media, and we are so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us make this podcast happen, especially to our wonderful producer, Ali Slice. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. And if you have ideas for our show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com too. If you love the show, consider supporting it by signing up for a secret menu also at a thing or two HQ.com. 